take a deep breath and remember there's a power breathing you. This is your space of sanity in an evolving world where we learn about spiritual law and how to apply it to our lives in a way that is practical and life-changing. This is where we remember truth to make the world a better place one person at a time. I'm Claire Lotier, inspirational speaker, teacher of the technology of transformation, and a certified life mastery consultant and spiritual coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. Bob Proctor, God rest his soul, said that goals are not for getting, goals are for growing. In other words, when you have a goal or a dream in your heart, the true purpose of that dream or that goal is not the achievement of the goal itself. Its true purpose is spiritual. It's about whom you grow to become to bring forth your vision for a more beautiful life. This is the role of desire in our life. It's said that even God feels desire, a desire for expansion, a desire to know itself. Human beings experience longing and discontent. These are two sacred signals that can lead you to freedom if you know how to listen to them. Longing and discontent are born from separation consciousness. As long as we dwell in separation that is in a human body, we will feel longing and we will feel discontent. The longing for something more, for deeper fulfillment, for greater aliveness, uh, greater awareness, connection, and oneness, the oneness of our original state, beyond separation, beyond duality. And we'll also feel discontent or a kind of restlessness that spurs us on to further evolution. You could even say that Feelings of longing and discontent, the desire for a freer, fuller, more expanded expression of self, are an impulse from that within us, which is divine, seeking experience, seeking more aliveness within the bounds of physical incarnation. It's like a game to see how unlimited we can become within the limitations of this physical form, how far we can journey in the expansion of consciousness while still occupying a material, dense biological body. When you deeply desire something, whether it be a material thing, a relationship, an experience, Look beyond the thing you desire into the feeling you believe receiving the object of desire will give you. The truth is that we never really want something for the thing itself, but for how we believe we will feel when we have it. So all we really ever want is to feel a certain way inside. If you're looking for a soulmate, maybe the feeling you want is connection. If you're dreaming of making more money, it's probably because you want to feel secure or free or even powerful. If there's a dream house up on your vision board, why do you want that? What feeling will you have once it's yours? Joy? Abundance? Stability? 
And it's important to pay attention to what those feelings are and to begin generating those feelings within yourself now. In other words, don't wait until you have what you want to start feeling good. Start feeling the feelings that you believe having that thing you want will will generate in you. Feel those feelings now because those feelings, that vibration is essential in attracting what you want, attracting that which causes you to feel and to vibrate at that frequency. The place where I live now and that I longed for passionately leading up to its acquisition inspired certain feelings in me, and it still does. In the months after I left France to return home to Canada, I tuned into the feeling states that the images of La Fargo brought me into. By the way, you can replace the word feeling with the word frequency because thoughts and feelings generate a vibration, your vibration, your frequency at any given moment. In my search for a place that felt good, that was a match for me, I knew that I wanted to feel elevated. I wanted to feel peaceful, serene, grateful, joyful, creative, and connected. These feelings are all forms or colors, you could say, of love, the vibration of love. My experience of La Fargo and the energy here and my relationship to it and to this part of the world reflected something of love, of my true inner nature to me. Just as many years before, as a child, I had sensed that the beauty of the setting sun over the Mediterranean from my grandparents' home in Corsica reflected something perfect and eternal from within myself. We're always looking for a sense of home in this world because we miss our heavenly home so much. We miss that oneness, that unity, that feeling of being part of something infinite and vast and being one with it. Even if we seem to have forgotten where we came from and whose we are, there's still a knowing deep within that instantly recognizes and remembers our divine origin under under certain conditions. And the closer we get to that true self, the more we seek out environments that reflect its qualities. Whenever I would close my eyes during the snowy Canadian winter and travel in my mind back to the place I loved, I would be soothed by the breeze and the bird song and delicately breathe in the fragrances that wafted up from the dry grasses as I crushed them underfoot. I would listen for the sound of the river down the hill and I could feel the sun on my skin. It became like a parallel universe where I also dwelt, even as I continued my busy life at home. When I was on Zoom calls, which was a lot, the place was in my background behind me, and my heart would quicken whenever anyone asked me about it. As I prepared to launch a year-long program for my VIP clients, I knew I wanted to include a retreat for them in France. I was creating the information page about the program on my website, And I found myself brazenly uploading pictures of the property into the section where I talked about the retreat. I inserted the dates a little over a year away, 
and the location and described what it would be like to retreat there for a week. I contemplated my work with a mixture of fear and elation. A question arose, am I crazy? (laughs) And is this false advertising? I showed the completed page to my husband who was like, whoa, uh, this looks great, honey, but it does make me feel a little pressured. (laughs) No, no, I sought to assure him hurriedly, I'm not pressuring you. Even if we do something different, maybe it's still possible to have a retreat here. Maybe I could still talk to Kristoff about having a retreat here and, and, or even in some other place nearby. That's true, he affirmed. I tell you, I'm blessed with the most supportive of husbands, and I'm grateful that through the many months of my dreaming about Nafargo, he had never shut it down as a possibility, even though he'd never seen the place or even been to the region. There were many moments during that winter when I was away, when I was assailed by doubts. It was January, and I'd been home for just over two months. Even though I was so focused on the place in my mind, nothing was moving forward on any other front. I was no closer to affording it. Not only that, we couldn't even travel because of a strict travel ban imposed by France that applied even to French citizens, which I am, if they were outside of Europe. We spoke of selling our house, and we'd even had our real estate agent over to do an initial market appraisal. We were actually pleasantly surprised by how much we might be able to ask for in the current market, but it still left a large gap, especially with the difference in currencies. One thing we did know was that we were ready to leave where we had been for 13 years, though where we would end up was still an open question, at least for my husband. Furthermore, he wouldn't really be able to work the way that he always had if we lived in France. So we'd have to find a new way for him to feel engaged, alive, and creative. This was something he was open to, even ready for, but it added even greater uncertainty to the total picture. At some point, it dawned on me, looking at the plans that Christoph had given me for both buildings, that the single-story one I had envisioned turning into a small house was actually too small. For me, or a person alone, it might have been fine, but with my husband on board, I knew that he would want more room. I scrutinized the plans for both buildings, looking for ways to make it work, but I kept coming up against the same realization. This place was a boutique hotel, not a house. And you can't make it into a normal house. It's a very special place, but this is what it is. Discussions about what it would be like to live there often presented me with the impracticalities of it and the reality that my husband didn't want to run a and b even though it was an idea we'd played with. You know, over the years, we'd previously discussed as something that he might be really good at and even enjoy. He's the consummate Jupiterian personality, expansive, warm, welcoming, and the perfect host. But the truth was, I didn't really want to do that either. I was all for being able to welcome people for the occasional retreat, but running a B&B full-time, even for six months a year, was a serious commitment. And as it wasn't my dream life or my husband's, it began to seem less realistic and more burdensome an idea. But I kept coming back to love. I loved 
that place. I loved the idea of having rooms for friends and family. I'd already seen them there in my mind's eye. We could take some of the other rooms for our personal use and then turn the smaller building into a living pavilion. But then we'd be sleeping in one building and living in the other during the day. Wasn't that weird? Then again, with mild weather much of the year, wasn't that kind of the idea? Indoor-outdoor living? Isn't that what we liked? Then I started to doubt that that would be okay. It didn't seem normal. (laughs) Weren't we just trying to make something work that didn't really work? Was I being stubborn and selfish just because I wanted the feeling of that place to be part of my life? There was a large open field behind the house, an even bigger area than the one the buildings and the pool were originally built on. I'd been told that we were allowed to build on it, but that it would take some time before final approval came in. I'd had the idea that I could build my yoga studio there as a dome. I'd long envisioned a creative open space where I could teach yoga and hold consciousness expansion circles, a space where many different things were possible. In fact, I had the beginnings of a design from someone I'd met in one of my dome-building adventures in Mexico. I had seen this yoga dome up there in the field in my mind. But if living at the place as a house wasn't really viable, according to our beliefs about how you live in a house, well, let's just say that I went around and around and around in my mind and I started to question the whole idea. I was starting to feel discouraged, starting to lose energy, doubt myself. And when I would envision myself on the property and travel there in my mind, I was peppered by questions about how it was all going to work to the point where I was sometimes unable to connect with the positive and uplifting feeling tone I had experienced before. One day, while contemplating the aerial view I had downloaded from Google Earth, I thought, well, you could always build a quote-unquote normal house in the field and keep La Fargo as it is. You could hire someone to run it as a B&B. They could live there and manage the place, and you could make an income from the property without having all the responsibility for running it. I saw a young couple in my mind, managing the bookings, taking care of the rooms, caretaking the place, and living there themselves. And then you could keep the smaller building as it was and make that one the yoga studio, while we built and lived in another house in the field. The idea made me excited. I could see a whole compound where we lived in our own space and I ran a kind of luxury wellness retreat where people would come to rest and resource themselves and I could teach and my husband could have his privacy too. Of course, this would mean an even greater financial investment, but that's when I realized I wasn't thinking big enough. Would you love it? I asked myself, imagine it's all worked out and you've got a beautiful house in the field behind La Fargo built in the same style. You've got a wonderful, trustworthy couple running the business part of things and they love the place as much as you do. You're teaching yoga there and wonderful people come to stay. People who are dedicated to elevating their consciousness and tuning into their higher purpose. You've got a recording studio and a place where your husband can make and record music. You've got an amazing food garden and fruit trees that produce so much, you give most of it away. Well, I got carried away with those images, and I knew I would love that. 
I hadn't allowed myself to go there because it was an even bigger dream than the one I had imagined for myself up until then. And that one was already a really big stretch from what I had allowed myself before. It kept expanding and expanding, and I kept expanding with it. So once again, I was reminded that goals are not for getting. Goals are for growing. And I could feel already that in the three or four months since I had first become aware that this place even existed, my idea of what I wanted and what I could allow myself to receive had grown exponentially. Suddenly, I had a much bigger vision for my life and what was possible, even though I still had no idea how to make it a reality. Re-inspired with this new and bigger vision, I shared it with Fike, my partner in believing. Fike and I met during coaching training, and we regularly get together to check in, to inspire each other, and to hold one another accountable. She's one of the people I trust most in the world, and I know she never limits me. When I described my new and improved vision for the place, she was like, yes, you just weren't thinking big enough before. Would you love it? Yes, then go for it. Trust it. It's in your mind. If you can see it in your mind, you can make it a reality. But how, I would say, it really scared me. That's even more money. The how is none of your business, she reminded me. Your job is to hold the vision. Anyway, it doesn't have to happen right away. It doesn't cost any more to acquire the property as it is, does it? You can figure out the rest later. But you can hold this vision on your way there. When I shared this new idea with my husband, he was open to it. As I said, he never shut me down. He had just never been there. So we would talk about the possibilities and say, okay, but we won't really know until we both get there. I had to learn to let go and be patient. I knew that other people were looking at the property. I knew that it was still being shown. Christoph had shared that with me saying, it will go to the first one who signs the contract. But there was a certain strange serenity in being unable to travel and therefore unable to make a decision jointly during this period. I trusted that even though I wanted us to get over there so that my husband could could feel the place along with me, there must also be some reason we could take no action for the time being. And my husband insisted on looking at other places online, which we did regularly. It helped us to get a perspective on what was on the market, what was available, I mean, that is if you could trust the listings, what the prices were, and how La Fargo fit in in terms of value. We also kept a list of properties that we would go and see in addition to La Fargo once we got to France. Looking at other possible options helped me to avoid being too rigid and also to become more familiar with all the different areas in the vicinity and what the most desirable location was. What it ended up doing was reinforcing my conviction that this was the right place for me. But again, I couldn't impose that on my husband. He had to see and feel for himself. While things were in a state of suspension, one of the things that we could take action on was clearing out our own space. I said, why don't we act as if we're moving to France? Let's get the place ready by doing a big purge of everything we don't need and think about what we would take with us and what we would let go of if we were moving. And even if we decide not to do anything, our house will feel much better. It felt good to start moving the energy. It really helped us come alive and 
feel optimistic and positive, especially in the middle of winter and confinement. One of the practices that we engaged in to activate the law of circulation was giving things away rather than selling them. I started with smaller things, putting them on Facebook Marketplace as free items, and they were always snapped up the very same day. It was wonderful to see people's happy faces as they received something they needed, and they would always come and pick it up so that we didn't have to do anything. Then I got bolder and started letting go of bigger things, more valuable things, like a large set of wedding china from my first marriage that had barely ever been used. Eventually, once we knew we were moving, we let friends know that we were willing to part with a number of furniture items, and it was a delight to see our friends setting up our things in their own homes. It felt as if parts of us and our energy were going out and, and remaining with people that we'd come to love over the years. As the winter wore on and slowly thawed into a snowy, wet spring, and having cleared out a certain amount of space, we decided to put our house on the market. This was a bold move because it meant we were moving on regardless. It meant leaving the security of where we had lived and how we had lived for the last 13 years, including the close-knit community we had been part of. It meant that we were saying yes to the unknown, yes to an adventure, yes to not really having any kind of plan. <laughs> it was terrifying, actually. I wondered often if we were being foolish or naive or just plain nuts. And I'm sure that there were others in our life who probably thought that we were. We started telling people we were moving to the south of France. And when they'd exclaim, wow, where, whereabouts? We'd be like, we don't know yet. <laughs> You, you mean you don't have a place yet? No. You don't have a plan? Nope. <laughs> I kept envisioning us at La Fargo, but still had no idea how we could bridge the gap. Occasionally, I would get discouraged and change my Zoom background. But a couple of clients were like, hey, where's your house? And then I would put it back up thinking oh, it would have been easier on me if I'd never said a word. Now I was freely accountable and walking my talk publicly. I kept in touch with Christoph periodically to update him on our plans and inquire if there was any movement from other interested parties. And at one point I shared with him my perspective on building another house in the field because of the difficulty of turning the place into a normal house. I wanted some kind of assurance that the field would really be buildable because there was no official guarantee. We were really just taking it on faith that the village would allow it because we had been told so. This had been troubling me a bit, so we came up with the idea that we could possibly rent the place from Christoph for six months to experience living there, make sure it could work for us, and receive assurances about the constructability of the field. It would also buy us some more time to come up with more money, somehow. In March, I wrote to Christoph proposing this idea. And I received back, almost right away, the most amazing letter, which to me felt like a message from the universe to my doubting heart. I've translated it for you here. Here's what it said. Dear Claire, Thank you for sharing with me all your reflections and projections. I understand them completely and would probably share them if I were in your position. But having said that, speaking from my own experience, I've never waited for the optimal conditions to be in place before throwing myself into a project. 
When I decided to launch my idea for the hotel restaurant, I bought La Fargo as a ruin, just four walls that had been without a roof for 50 years. The property was classified as agricultural usage and was not in a constructible zone. I had to go through a lot of administrative maneuvers all the while I was starting to renovate the place. Within two years, the work we'd done allowed me to open the place as a restaurant for the summer, which I did, even though I'd never been in the restaurant business or even trained as a chef. At the end of that summer, the construction started up again so we could finally open the first six rooms along with the restaurant the next summer, which was in 1999. After five years of running it successfully, I decided to expand, so I bought the land next to it, which was abandoned and overgrown and which had not been zoned for construction either. I was actually denied a building permit originally because the land was erroneously categorized as a flood zone due to an administrative error. Three more years of construction elapsed before we were able to open the suites for the summer of 2007. Claire, I'm telling you all of this to say that I'm not comfortable entering into an unclear situation with you where your plans to purchase the property could only be realized if all the conditions are right for you in X amount of time. I want a buyer, someone decisive, who has the funds. I don't want to rent the place out. I want to sell it. I'm sorry if this sounds harsh, perhaps, but the last several years I've had several such proposals that amounted to nothing but lost time with contracts prepared by the notary but never signed on the fateful day. If you want to realize your dreams, leap into the unknown. This is the advice I give you, having proved it to myself time and time again in my own life, including most recently when we moved to Laos. We just wanted to find some land to build our house. We did it. We found it on our first trip and bought it only two weeks before we had to come back to France. The following winter, we had the plans drawn up and cleared the land, found water, dug a well. The winter after that, we connected electricity and started the work with a local architect, and within three years, we had moved in. La Fargo will not require of you that much time or energy to move in and find the best solutions to improve it according to your needs and your taste. You can easily start your project with the means that exist already, maybe with some slight discomforts, but even so, I am of course still willing to put your, you and your husband up for a few days, time enough for you to get the feel for the place and come to an agreement about whether it's right for you or not. But remember that whoever decides first will have the place and building permits will inevitably follow. I hope that I haven't disappointed you with my choices and my frankness, because even though we only spent a couple of hours together there on site, I could see that you understood what was most essential, the feeling that you were home in the land of your dreams. All you have to do now is decide. In friendship, Christoph. As I sat reading his email, I could feel the voice of the universe coming through his words, telling me what my heart knew, but that I was afraid to trust. In that moment, Christoph was reminding me of the very principles of universal law that I teach. One of the main ones being, the first thing that you do is to make a decision. <laughs> to fully commit to your decision. And then the means appear. 
And although I knew this and I practiced it in my life, on this occasion, it seemed like such a big leap of faith that I was afraid to trust the law. And here he was reminding me. I have to say, I was moved to tears by this message, which seemed directed at me from the loving universe as a gentle reminder through this man that I had some kind of connection with. There have been many leaps of faith in my life, but this time life was asking me to make a leap that would affect every area of life on every level. Selling our house, giving up the stability we'd had for years, changing countries, languages, cultures, and distancing ourselves from the way that we'd always lived and earned a living. Not just me, but my husband too. Putting our relationship on the line and weathering the disapproval or disappointment of those we would be leaving behind. Buying an unconventional place that didn't make sense, biting off way more than we could probably chew, and on top of that, still having no idea how it would all come together or what we would do if it did. With renting and other half measures out of the picture now, we really had nothing to go to but a big question mark. We continued to scour all the real estate websites, seeing the same listings over and over, and mentally projecting ourselves into an unknown future. And we made a decision to put our house on the market sometime in May, when we knew that our garden would be looking beautiful, and people would likely have spring fever and be happy to be sprung from confinement and look at houses. Interestingly, I started to feel a kind of wave swelling underneath us in the real estate market. I had been hearing stories of houses in our town selling for a lot more than even a few months before. With the COVID situation, a lot of people were looking for places outside of the big cities where they could have more space if there was another confinement. Side note, in Ontario, the province where we lived, we literally had the most confinement days of anywhere on the planet. Canada being a cautious country. (laughs) And there was also a feeling of greater safety in less populated zones. Our town being a 90-minute drive from Toronto made it an optimal distance for city dwellers who wanted a second home. And this was driving the prices up because there wasn't that much inventory. Our house was walking distance from the heart of downtown and its cultural and restaurant scene. Plus, it was a historic home in a coveted cottage style particular to the area. When in March, we met with our real estate agent again to make our plans to sell the house official, what she thought we could put it on at had gone up some more based on the comparable properties and what they were selling for. We were pleased because frankly, we never thought we'd get our money back on the house once we had bought it years before, much less make a profit. We had a tendency to over-improve places that we've lived in and because we're focused on making things beautiful for us and bringing them up to our own personal standards, but not necessarily in ways that translate to increased value for someone else. But something interesting was happening in our town. There was a quickening in the market that I could feel. And with a growing but quiet sense of excitement, I observed as prices started to go through the roof. By the time May rolled around, Our real estate agent came back to us with a twinkle in her eye. The market is hot, she said. I think we can start higher. 
we ended up listing our house at what I would have deemed a ludicrously astronomical sum only three months before. But only a week before, another lovely cottage similar to ours but a bit smaller down the street had sold in a week for a shockingly high price with multiple offers. It dawned on me that being unable to make a move or make any plans over the winter months due to the confinement had been to our great advantage. Had we tried to make a move sooner, we would have missed this market. I don't believe I've mentioned that my brother and his family, who had been living in Texas for a number of years, also had decided to move to France at the same time as us. I know, it's weird. We never even discussed it as a thing that we could all do together. It was just an idea that was sort of hovering in the air, and it ended up working out this way. Clearly, whatever was calling me and our family karma and ancestral lineage was also calling to him, albeit in a different way. Without any conscious coordination, our houses both went on the market on the same day. Our house in Canada, his house in Houston. And that day was May 19th, which also happens to be the anniversary of our father's death. When we texted each other to let each other know that our houses were on the market, it was on the same day, on the 19th of May. And it was undeniable that greater forces were at play. It was as if our French father were winking at us from the other side, blessing our decision. Our houses also sold on the same day. And we moved to France the same week in July, within days of one another. And speaking of our house being sold, it sold in a week with multiple offers for well over what we had asked well over for an amount that I would never in a million years have believed we could realistically get for it, for an amount that magically brought us much, much closer to affording a really nice place in France. It was like a miracle. (laughs) It was a miracle. Interestingly, within a few weeks after we signed our contract and set a closing date, the market cooled and adjusted itself. We had sold at the peak, at the perfect moment for us. And with some judicious moving around of other funds, we were suddenly in a position to buy La Fargo, if it was the right thing to do. The day we emptied out our house in Canada, we moved all our things into storage. I saw a cicada in the delicate operation of freeing itself from its chrysalis on a tree in our front yard. In wonder, I watched it deploying a set of finely veined opalescent gossamer wings over a period of about half an hour. The cicada is a hallmark of southern France in summer and you can hear its characteristic buzz like a high-tension electrical wire as a background hum on the hottest days, even in the cities. I had never seen or heard one in Canada before this day. As the last of the boxes were being moved to storage the day before we flew to France, 
I took it as a sign that we could spread our wings and trust. After all, hadn't the last six months proved that anything is possible? We arrived in France the first week of July and into the bosom of our awaiting family, who were thrilled to be reunited with not one but two cousins moving back to the homeland. Within a few days, we were at La Fargo, where we were planning to stay for two nights. Christophe met us there and handed me the keys. He looked at me in the eyes and said, I'm trusting you. Those keys remained in my possession from that day forward. And at the end of August, having signed the contract, we sat on the terrace with a bottle of Blanquette, that's the champagne of this area, (laughs) celebrating with a toast. I flashed to the moment in this very same spot where I had asked him nine months before to hold the image of us clinking glasses to celebrate the successful conclusion of the sale. Nine months before, when I had no idea how we would come to be living this moment now in the present. Nine months, the time it takes to give birth to a baby or a new life. There's still a little more I have to tell you about the months that followed and the consequences of getting what you want. (laughs) How it calls you into a greater field of your own becoming and challenges you to grow even bigger. I'll save that for the epilogue. The story wasn't over and the greatest learnings were yet to come. If you're intrigued by this story and eager to make your own dreams come true, consider this your invitation to join a spiritually-minded community of people who support each other's highest vision for whom they want to be and how they want to live. You'll find links in the show notes to learn more about how to become part of my inner circle of members and work with me personally on creating the results you really want in your life here and now. And if you're a performing artist or show business professional and you want to be more successful, make more money, and have more opportunities doing what you love using the skills you already have, I can show you how. It's very common for people in the arts to believe that the decisions that affect their lives and careers are in other people's hands, but the truth is you are the one and only creator at work here. You can take back the power you've given to others and to the business. Click on the link to set up a free Empower Hour Breakthrough Session with me, and let's talk about what your dream life as an artist would look like and how to make it a living reality. I'll see you next time. Meanwhile, walk in grace. Thank you for joining me in the Grace Space, where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. 
Bye for now.